There's been a tragic experiment with kids in the UK, and today we're going to talk about what we can learn from it. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and you are a terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Well, I know, now you're all wondering, what? <laughs> a tragic experiment with kids in the UK. Now, normally, when we talk about experiments, we mean um, scientific, uh, plan, a planned scientific experiment where we have a control group on one hand, and then we have a, the test group on the other hand, and you give the test group some kind of, whether it's a placebo pill or some kind of exposure to something, and then you measure how the uh, test group is different from the, from the um, uh, control group. You know, what impact did this thing that you're introducing to the test group have on them? Well, this isn't that kind of an experiment. It's a natural experiment, and it's actually one that none of us <laughs> would want to have happened. And I'm talking about the terror attacks. What has happened is that a group of psychiatrists in the UK, the Royal College of Psychiatrists, did a study, not per se an experiment, or really, you know, as I said, it's a natural experiment. In other words, nobody wanted the terror attacks to occur in Manchester or London, but they did. And that gives us um, a group of people who um, have been affected by this. And in particular, we're talking about kids today. Now, there's no real control group in the sense that probably, well, there's nobody in the UK who wasn't affected or didn't know about it or, um, you know, or even in other countries, certainly kids were affected. But we can look at and this Royal College of Psychiatrists in the UK did look at what impact it had on kids. And the way that they looked at this was by seeing how many children sought help in the greater Manchester hospitals and in London hospitals for psychiatric help for problems that um, they attributed to the uh, terror attacks in both of those cities. So, and so they have really interesting results, and this will be helpful to you if you're in the United States, or really, quite frankly, to people all over the world in terms of uh, looking at kids, if you're a parent, or if you're a teacher, or you're, you have grandchildren, anybody who uh, loves kids, <laughs> has kids that they love, um, will be helped by the information that this group of psychiatrists gathered in the UK. Because really, um, there are children in regard to how they are impacted by terror attacks are going to be more similar than different. So what happened? What was the impact? Well, in the Manchester hospitals, there was a 10% increase in the number of children seeking help after the Manchester concert. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, 10%, eh, how much could that be? Um, actually, 10% turned out to be hundreds, hundreds more children sought psychiatric help in these Manchester hospitals. That's a huge amount when you think about um, 
you know, Manchester not being, uh, well, not being as big as London or not being as big as New York. Um, now, the concert was on May 22nd, and as you may remember, it, they, the terrorists killed 22 people and injured many more. And these, the study, the measurements of the number of children seeking treatment were done in June and July, so far in July. And that's where they found this incredible increase, many more than they anticipated seeking treatment. Now, what's even more astounding is that just a small fraction of these hundreds of kids um, had, were at the concert or knew anyone who was at the concert or knew anyone who was hurt or killed at the concert. So these are people for the most part, for the vast majority, these are just people who saw the concert, saw, learned about the terror attack in the news. Now, most of these children complained about anxiety and insomnia. They were suffering, um, those were the two complaints, the two, uh, you know, when, when the psychiatrist or psychologist asked, um, how can I help you, what's bothering you? Those were the two things that they uh, suffered from most, anxiety and trouble sleeping. Now, of course, th these numbers, this huge amount, um, was not counting those children who sought help other places like in their schools, the school guidance counselors, or volunteer services, um, or people, children who didn't seek services yet. So in other words, the real number of how many children were affected to the point of having psychological symptoms was much greater than 10% and much greater than these hundreds. And again, you know, June, July, so it's, it's July isn't over yet. So, um, I mean, actually, um, you know, it is approximately two months since we're now, the, you know, the 20th of July, um, but, but still, hundreds. Now, in London, the number was a little less, um, but there still were children um, complaining of these psychological symptoms. And what was clearer in the, uh, or what the psychiatrists found and noticed more in, in London, um, or as they were studying this in London, was that those who had a predisposition to anxiety had it even in a more heightened way. Now, what that um, tells us, and, and, and I love this, this example, this way of looking at things. And when you want to think about it in terms of your children, when you want to uh, evaluate the impact of terror attacks, the most recent terror attack, whether it's in your backyard or whether it's in London or wherever in the world it is, you do need to be looking at your children and evaluating them and seeing what the impact is because I can promise you that there is an impact, that there has been an impact, and that there will be an impact with future terror attacks. So one way that you can sort of um, easily think about this is to think about it like 
a flu epidemic, like a terror attack being like a flu epidemic. Now, in a flu epidemic, those children who uh, have underlying respiratory problems like asthma or other kinds of problems um, involving their respiratory system are going to be much more affected by the flu if they catch the flu than other children whose respiratory systems are perfectly healthy. Well, it's the same thing with terror attacks. If your child has uh, underlying psychological problems, or if your child has had traumas in life, such as um, parents getting divorced, such as a parent being sick or dying, not necessarily from a terror attack, or um, some other kind of trauma in their young life, then they will be more affected by terror attacks than a child who has had an idyllic childhood. No child has an idyllic childhood, but certainly some children have more traumas, uh, have had more traumas by whatever age they are than others. Now, why, um, why are kids affected who weren't uh, in the, at the site of a terror attack or didn't know someone, a relative or a friend who was involved in a terror attack. Well, this is the new wrinkle. The new wrinkle is that even, it's not just about uh, kids being exposed to pictures of the attack in the news uh, by seeing television. And of course, oftentimes parents will uh, turn off the television so that they, the kids don't see. And uh, that's a whole other story that I will talk about at some future time. But uh, to turn off, depending upon the age of your child, it might be appropriate. You know, the younger the children are, of course, it's more appropriate to turn it off. But um, one still has to talk to your children you need to talk to your children, if you have children, about terrorism because, um, because they know a lot more than you think they know. And the new wrinkle is that even if parents do turn off the television, and again, I am not, uh, I'm only saying that that's a good plan for, um, for some children and particularly younger children, but if you do turn off the television, kids, many kids, have um, iPhones, have smartphones, and they are watching things, the news, more than you think. And especially if they have access to them before bedtime and during the night they wake up because they can't sleep because they're worried about getting bombed or have being uh, caught in a terror attack or people they love being caught in a terror attack. And what do they do? They go to their smartphone and they look up the news and um, they see images and they hear news reports, but it's especially the images, especially when there are images of other kids caught in various terror attacks, which is why the attack in Manchester of the concert of Ariana Grande was so powerful when it came to kids, had so much of an impact because kids were interested in what happened uh, to Ariana Grande and what happened at her concert and identified with kids at her concert or at concerts in general. 
So obviously, um, parents need to, well, even before, <laughs> regardless of terror attacks, aside from terror attacks, um, parents really do need to take smartphones uh, away from their kids at bedtime. Um, because, you know, even if there's no ter recent terror attack, uh, you don't want your child uh, waking up in the middle of the night or before he goes to sleep um, watching scary news. Now, some of the examples of kids and the questions that they asked and so on or things that they told their parents and their teachers and these therapists were um, a 10-year-old boy who complained about uh, having trouble sleeping because of anxiety. He talked about how he worries about his father, who works in London, getting caught in a terror attack. And then, of course, lots of other kids talked about being scared that their relatives or friends were going to be harmed or that they themselves were going to be harmed if they went to a busy event or place. Then there's the example of a nine-year-old girl who asked her teacher, why do they hate us so much that they want to kill us and kill themselves as well? Now, I found this particularly interesting because in my new book that's coming out at around uh, the upcoming anniversary of 9-11 um, called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. This is for parents and teachers to share with their kids. And it includes typical questions uh, that kids would ask and my suggestions for answers that parents and teachers can give to children. These are sample answers. You can, of course, um, do what you feel is comfortable for you, uh, what you believe in, or what you think is appropriate for your child, depending upon their age and their psychological maturity, and what they know, and what, what you've already told them about terrorism, and all of that, you can certainly modify them. But I have suggested answers to, and <laughs> to various questions, lots of different questions, including why do they hate us so much that they want to kill us, and why do they kill themselves as well? Um, some of the other questions that kids are asking is, uh, their teachers especially here, is school safe? They want to know if they're safe at school. Now, how can a child learn something if they're sitting at school, <laughs> sitting at school worried that they're not safe, that the school is going to be attacked by a terrorist? And the thing that really kind of spoke to my heart the most, um, the question that they asked, is it safe to be on, on the playground? Now, you think of children in a playground, they're laughing and climbing on, you know, the slide and climbing on the jungle gym and, and just having a great time. You, you just see their laughing faces. And to think that now they are having to ask, is it safe to be on a playground? So is it safe to play? Is it safe to be happy? I mean, that, that image, those, those two ideas juxtaposed are just heartbreaking. And then they also asked their teacher, what would we do if someone wanted to attack us? <laughs> Which is kind of a good question <laughs> uh, in terms of how, the, how well schools are prepared for terror attacks. 
And then even after the attacks, um, weeks after, uh, months after, for each child, um, it's different. And, and yes, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, can manifest itself either immediately after a terror attack, or it could be weeks later or months later or years later for kids to finally put into words what their, you know, what their behavior is about, what their feelings are about, how, uh, what they're, how they've changed and how they think it has to do with the terror attack. I mean, it takes a while for kids and adults to process terror attacks. So, so these signs, these, these um, changes in your children may not be seen, actually, not just that they can't talk about it, put it into words, but the, even the symptoms may not be seen for a while. And so this, this 10% increase that I was talking about in Manchester, for example, aside from that not including kids who got help elsewhere, it also is just measuring kids who were affected enough to ask for help in these two months since the attack in the concert. So surely there will be more children asking for help. So even after an attack, when the kids, you know, what they found was that um, in these two months that they've been looking at this, studying this, they found that the children were unnerved by police helicopters and police car sirens, and um, uh, fire engines, and ambulances, you know, seeing them, hearing them go by, and so on. And, and that is typical of PTSD, because um, when, you, when you see or hear things that were associated with the original trauma, then um, it brings back the feelings of the trauma. It makes it seem like it just happened. And so, of course, um, it, you know, people, kids, adults too, of course, are going to be reminded of the terror attack again and again and again every time they see or hear uh, things like these police car sirens or see an ambulance or, you know, it rem will remind them of the traumatic day. And then, of course, also, when they see or hear these things, they want to know what's happening. Is there a terror attack, another terror attack happening today, right now? So, um, these, you know, it's not just the day of the attack that has these lasting results. I mean, it's not just on the day itself. It's for quite a while after. And then they also found that uh, older kids, some of the older kids, um, weren't as scared of, um, they were better able to assess the danger if they would go into the center of the city or into, you know, into the center of London, or if they went to a place like a concert or somewhere where there would be uh, lots of people. They were able somewhat to assess the risk, although, you know, this is, we're talking about older kids now uh, who hear more and understand more and so on. Um, but what was also kind of sad and interesting is that in, amongst these older kids, the non-white kids had more anxiety about whether they were safe from racism 
you know, they, they, their, this was worse than their, um, because they were able to have some assessment as far as the risk of a terror attack. But these older kids had been experiencing racism since the attacks um, in their own communities. So they're afraid of being verbally or physically attacked in their own communities by, by people who are Islamophobes. So what is the, well, we'll get to the bottom line in a minute. In a minute. Let me get to uh, the letter portion of the Terrorist Therapist Show. And I have a letter, actually an email, I would say letter, but, um, you know, it's really people who have written to me via email, and I'll uh, tell you how to do that. This is from Leslie in Las Vegas. <laughs> you know, sleepless in Seattle, this is Leslie in Las Vegas. Uh, Dear terrorist therapist, I have two children, 9 and 13 years old. When the terror attack happened at the Ariana Grande concert, they were very upset, though they have never been to England. They love Ariana Grande, so they were consumed by media reports about the attack for weeks. I tried to turn off the TV, but I know they watch stuff on their iPhones. They had trouble sleeping and started not wanting to do their homework. They were anxious and depressed. And they had a lot of questions I probably answered badly. I never knew kids could be affected by terror attacks that far away. What do I do now? Well, yes, Leslie, you make a very, I'm glad you brought this out because this is true that um, even children in, let's say in America, like in Las Vegas, obviously, and, and in other places in America, um, certainly the Ariana Grande concert brought that out a lot uh, more because that being, you know, that he, kids hearing her name, um, that made them perk their ears up. And so they got a lot more interested in the news than they typically are. And the thing is, though, that a lot of parents um, don't expect children to be affected by attacks if they're not in their backyard. And this is a really important point to bring out that, um, again, because of the, not only television, but because of iPhones and, and smartphones of all kinds, um, that kids are, are when, especially when they hear something in the news that perks up their ears, uh, they are going to be consumed with that. And since the anxiety gives them trouble sleeping, they're going to be really tempted when they wake up at night because they can't sleep because they're too anxious because, they're, you know, because there was a recent terror attack or they're worried about terrorism in general. Um, then they have their iPhone and, and you know, uh, they try to entertain themselves with it or, and or they try to find out more about whatever it is that they're scared about. So, you know, and part of the problem parents have in recognizing that kids are going to be uh, affected by terror attacks that happen far, far away um, is that we in America still are suffering from a lot of denial. Parents, um, grandparents, uh, anybody, you know, adults in general 
are suffering from uh, denial. And I talk about this a lot because I try to break through your denial. Uh, and also, you know, there is, as I've said, healthy denial in the sense that um, the, our mind, our psyche protects us from thinking about these things 24-7. But it also um, prevents us from doing things that we need to do knowing that terror attacks are not stopping anytime soon. And I'm not talking about buying duct tape. I'm talking about talking to your children about terrorism in a way that is gentle and doesn't scare the pants off of them and in a way that empowers them and doing things as a family to empower um, the parents and the children. And, um, uh, to, of course, planning, you know, giving them telephone numbers and, and things to do in, if an attack uh, was happening nearby. But again, it does not have to be nearby to, um, to affect them. Because, and especially this past year, uh, you know, and especially because the attacks have been happening in Europe, the children, I mean, and in America for that matter, but in Europe, where, as opposed to the Middle East, where it's kind of become sort of a, an ex, a sadly become an expected thing, and for children, it does still seem far, far away. But when children hear about things uh, like the, when children in America hear about things happening in, in the UK or in France uh, or even Germany or Belgium, you know, countries that they might well have visited or certainly that they know more about, it affects them a lot more. And so, um, so the main what we what we've learned, and so what you need to do, Leslie, is to is to keep a careful eye on them. I was talking about how some of these, you know, you can't just think this is a phase that they're going through. It might be. It might be that uh, as the weeks pass and their personal life isn't disrupted. In other words, there's no terror attack in Las Vegas. Although Las Vegas happens to be a place where I know that there is a lot of concern because ISIS has um, done videos where they, you know, they have been trying to encourage uh, domestic terrorists to hit Las Vegas. So yes, I mean, that, that is an added, I mean, there are places in America, New York, Washington, uh, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, there are certain places that, um, I mean, the, the um, um, well, Orlando, even, I mean, you know, even Orlando, and I guess partly because of, uh, well, I mean, I was going to say partly because of Disneyland. I mean, that might be for ISIS now, but we know that wasn't the, the uh, main reason why Omar Mateen um, uh, hit the, uh, the nightclub. Um, but in any case, you know, there, there's no place that is really safe. There are just some places that have a higher risk than others or that ISIS is trying, is, is, um, trying to target uh, particularly icons in America, iconic places. But anyway, um, so Leslie, what I do suggest is that you keep a watchful eye on your children to make sure to see how long this is dragging on. And you may indeed, I mean, if it does continue for another month and they still don't seem to be getting less anxious, less depressed, still not wanting to do their homework, well, it's the summer, so 
they might not have homework. But I mean, if you're seeing this kind of um, uh, attitude of sort of not wanting to do things that they used to like to do, then you do need to bring them in for professional help. So that is, um, we're coming to the end of the Terrorist Therapist Show. I do want to leave you also with some additional thoughts uh, that um, you kind of, I want to emphasize what I was starting to say to, uh, to Leslie, that in general, not just for Leslie's children, but for all children, you can't think that if your children are showing some symptoms and if there have been things in the news recently about terror attacks, wherever they are, you can't just tell yourself, oh, well, this is just a phase. They'll get over it. Again, depending upon whether your child is particularly vulnerable, just like uh, children with respiratory problems are more vulnerable to flu, children who have had some psychological problems, um, anything from um, ADHD, <laughs> Uh, to autism, to um, depression, to any, any kinds of problems that um, your children may have. And if they've had traumas already in their short life, they are going to be more vulnerable. So you need to particularly think that these children might not just get over it, and it's better to take them to get professional help or at least a professional evaluation and let the psychologist or the psychiatrist tell you whether you think that, whether they think that there is something more serious going on that the child needs treatment for. So I want to thank you for listening to the Therapist Therapist Show. I want to also give you um, places on the internet that you can go to write to me. I love hearing from you. I love your comments on um, past shows and I love your questions that I will then address in future shows. So my name is Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the show. And I want you to remember that the health of our nation lies in the health of our kids.